I want us to go to the Bible here this morning, and uh, we are going to go to a familiar setting of Scripture, the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. And I've been feeling this now for, for several weeks, several weeks. I have been, been feeling this passage of Scripture and feeling that there was something here that the Lord wanted to say to someone. And uh, again, and I, I guess it's almost redundant anymore to say it, but but I do hope those listening online understand that I'm not just preaching to those that are here in service today, but, but to each and every one that's listening. And even uh, when this message is recorded and posted online, those that will come along afterwards and hear it uh, once we're gone from this place, and they'll come back and hear the message there may be someone who hears it uh, who needs to hear what I've got to say today. But I feel this. I feel it in my heart today. I need the church to help me this morning. Now, listen, all of this raspiness and crackling you hear, don't, don't get scared. This is not coronavirus. This is called allergies, which has been around a lot longer than corona. And, uh, and uh, I've been battling it for, for several days, and it just kind of comes and goes, and it is what it is. And so we'll, we'll get through it somehow. Uh, it may very well work to your benefit because my voice is not very strong, so that may mean that Pharaoh may let the people of God go a little earlier than usual may work to your favor. Hallelujah. Um, but I want to obey the Holy Ghost. That's, that's the thing. And I do need the saints of God to help me today because I'm reaching for someone. I really feel like that there are those that are listening, whether you're in this sanctuary or you're online. I feel like there are those that, that are listening today who are hungry who are looking for something. And um, maybe you don't really even know what it is you're looking for. And I want to try to help you find it here today. Amen. Isaiah, we're going to turn to Isaiah 53. And then uh, when I finish reading Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 5, we're going to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 11 and read a couple of verses there. And... Um, uh, so I want you to uh, I want you to bear with me here this morning. Prophet Isaiah in Isaiah fifty three, familiar familiar to most of us, verses one through five. He says, "Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed?" For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. 
Now, let me just tell you before I keep reading, for those who don't know, Isaiah is prophesying hundreds of years before Christ came to this world. He's prophesying, he's telling, foretelling about Christ who would come. And these are the things that he says about him. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty in him, or there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Now, before we move to the New Testament, I want you to look one more time at verse 2. I want you to see what Isaiah said about him. Isaiah said that he hath no form nor comeliness. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Yet no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, reading through verse 30, Matthew 11, again familiar verses of scripture for many of us, Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest under your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Isaiah, Isaiah said when he comes, when he appears, he will have no comeliness. And then when he did appear, his appeal was, come unto me. And so I want to preach to you for just a little while today on this subject, coming to the uncomely one. Coming to the uncomely one. Can we put our Bibles down? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Can we put our Bibles down? Let's ask God to speak to hearts today. Saints of God, I need your help today. Let's pray together right now. Let's pray, Lord Jesus. 
just without you, Lord, who I once lied. I ask, O oh God, anoint these lips of clay, God, with a cold off the altars of Lord, let me speak. Let me reach our heart today. Let me see some soul saved, I pray. We need you, God, right now, in Jesus' name. Would you worship the Lord one more time before you're seated? Let's lift our voices in worship to him. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. I praise you, Master. I praise you, Master. I praise you, Master. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I would dare say this morning that this prophecy from the book of Isaiah is one of the most beautiful and also one of the most acutely accurate prophecies of the one that was to come that can be found anywhere in the Old Testament. Understand that Isaiah wrote uh, almost 700 years before Christ was born. And yet he told us things in this one chapter that were fulfilled with amazing accuracy. One commentator said, nowhere in all the Old Testament is it so plainly and fully prophesied that Christ ought to suffer and then to enter into his glory as in this chapter. And we'll talk more about this chapter uh, as I go on this morning. But I'm going to tell you, if, if I would take the time to read all of this chapter for you, it really is astounding to see how well Isaiah portrayed the coming Christ 700 years before he actually came. In fact, he opens this chapter with a statement of absolute accuracy. Uh, in verse 1, Isaiah 53, if you'll just, uh, this is Sunday morning, normally Bible study time, so just leave your Bibles open there to Isaiah 53 for a few minutes. We're going to look at some other scriptures, but, but I want you to stay right there for a few minutes. Isaiah 53, verse 1, here's the way Isaiah opens this prophecy. Who hath believed our report? Who has believed our report? And to whom is the, and arm, to whom of the, is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, now this, this verse uh, written by Isaiah would be quoted both in the Gospel of John and the Epistle of Paul to the Romans. Let's read John chapter 12 verses 37 through 38. But though he had done so many miracles though he had them, done so many miracles before them yet they believed yet not on they him. believed not on him. 
the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. So that what Isaiah said might be fulfilled. Which he spake, Lord. When he said, Lord, who hath believed, who our, has report, believed our report? To whom hath the, arm, whom of the, Lord the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now understand this phrase, arm of the Lord, was a term the Jews used. And it spoke of God's strength. It spoke of God's power. And John is saying that Jesus went throughout the Jewish people performing miracles. But in spite of the fact that he was showing the arm of the Lord to them, they refused to believe it. Amen. Until he said, I understand now why Isaiah wrote what he did when he said, is there anybody that will believe this report? Is there anybody that's going to accept what I've got to say about the Messiah? Who hath believed our report and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. Then the apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome again quotes this Romans chapter 10 and verse 16 he says but they have not all they have not the all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah saith Lord who hath believed our report. So once again a New Testament writer reaches back and pulls this verse out of a, an Old Testament prophecy and says, I just want to remind you that it was already foretold that he would be rejected. It was already foretold that the people would not accept him. And, and the fact that there are many that refuse, Paul said, even today, in spite of the things that we see happen, in spite even of the miracles that are taking place and the lives that are being changed, Changed, uh, there are still those who are rejecting uh, the Messiah even to this very day and even to this day Isaiah's prophecy is still being fulfilled Amen. now in this prophecy in this prophecy he begins to describe uh, some of the things the Messiah would go through let's read again verses 3 through 5 he is despised and rejected. He's despised. Of men. He's rejected of men. A man of sorrow. He's a man of sorrow. And acquainted with grief. And grief is his acquaintance. And we hid as it were our faces from we him. We turned our faces away from him. He was despised. And he was despised. And we esteemed him not. We did not esteem him. We didn't recognize him for who he was. Surely he hath borne our griefs. He's borne. Our griefs. Carried our He's carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him but stricken. Here's the way we responded. We esteemed him stricken smitten and God. smitten of God. And afflicted. Then listen, here's what he's saying. He's saying that when it happens, he's going to be put to death and we're not going to take the blame for it. We're not going to claim that we put him to death. We're going to say he got what God said he deserves. God's the one that brought this on him. That's the way that we're going to respond to the Messiah. 
And then verse 5, he says this. But, he was but in spite for of the way we treated him, but in spite of the way we rejected him, but in spite of the way we refused to understand and believe who he was, uh, I want to just tell you this. Uh, those wounds that he took uh, were not for himself. Uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised, he for, was our bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah said, we've rejected him, we despised him, we pushed him aside, but in spite of all of that, he took our sins, he took our sorrows, he took our griefs, he took our sicknesses, and he bore them upon himself. Didn't matter how we treated him. He loved us enough that he did all of this for us. As I said, we, we could go on and read through the rest of this chapter. I didn't, I didn't put all these verses here because we could be, uh, we could spend an entire day just in this one, just in this one chapter. But if you've done what I've asked and you've left your Bible open, to Isaiah 53, you'll notice in verse 6 that Isaiah said, we have, have gone like sheep. We've, we've gone astray. We've turned to our own way. In verse 7, he was oppressed. He was afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth. He didn't complain about it. He didn't gripe about it. He didn't grumble about it. He didn't whine about it. Amen. And then he says in verse 8, he was taken from prison and judgment. And who's going to declare his generation? Amen. In other words, he said he didn't even have any offspring. He didn't leave behind any children. Who's going to declare his generation? Amen. Verse 9, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And we understand he was crucified between two thieves and a rich man loaned him his tomb to be, to be buried in. Everything that Isaiah said came to pass. But in the midst of all of this, you might have noticed I did not address verse 2. Because I want to back up and look at it now, after Isaiah says, who's believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And before he starts telling us about the way the Messiah would be rejected and how he would carry our sins and sorrows and suffer on our behalf, in between all of that, he makes this statement in Isaiah 53 and 2. For he shall grow up before him, grow as, up a before him plant, as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground. Yes. He hath no he form nor hath comeliness. no form nor comeliness. And when we shall, see, when him, we shall see him, there is no beauty there that is we should no desire him. That we should desire him. What an interesting statement that the prophet would make about Christ. Let me read to you from a few other translations just this one statement here that there, uh, he had no form nor comeliness. 
and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. One translation says there was nothing special or impressive about the way he looked. Nothing we could see that would cause us to like him. Another version says he wasn't some handsome king. Nothing about the way he looked made him attractive to us. Another says he had no dignity or beauty to make us take notice of him. There was nothing attractive about him. Nothing that would draw us to him. And yet another translation says he was not well formed or especially handsome. We saw him, but his appearance did not attract us. I'm going to tell you, Brother Goff, when I got to reading this, I believe every word of Scripture is divinely inspired. I believe what the prophet Isaiah said. In fact, we see that everything else he said about the Messiah was absolutely true. 100% accurate in every prophecy he made about the Messiah. But I look at this verse and it says, he hath no comeliness. That means attractive or pleasing features or appearance. He hath no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. No beauty. Brother Nelson, I got to thinking about that. No beauty. There's no beauty. Isaiah, I know you're writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. But you're telling me there was no beauty. No comeliness. And then, as I pointed out, when he does appear, this is the appeal he makes. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto Come. me. To me, all ye that labor, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and are heavy laden, and I will give you. I'll rest. give you rest. Now, I want you to understand the the, the 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 dichotomy here. I want you to understand the contrast here in in what's being said. There was nothing about him that would cause us to look at him and want to come, and yet he says, "Come." Again, I believe the Bible is absolutely accurate. I believe every word is, dis- is divinely inspired. But I do believe I need to offer a clarification to this particular passage. Because the reference that Isaiah was making was to his outward appearance. Maybe you noticed the use of phrases in the translations that I read that said things like the way he looked or he was not especially handsome. Let me tell you something. Here's what we've got to understand about him. He may have been uncomely on the outside. 
There may not have been any beauty on the outside when you look at him. But I know firsthand. Brother Albright and I have experienced firsthand. I know the beauty that can be found in him. I know the beauty that he has. It's not what I see with my physical eyes. It's not what I look at. But there's something much deeper than the outward form. There's something much deeper than the outer appearance. Is anybody hearing me? In order to see the real beauty of the Messiah, we got to look beyond the physical features that he may have had and see the spiritual side of everything that he encompasses. Uh, he may not have looked uh, like a movie star. He may not have looked uh, impressive uh, on the outside, uh, but I'm going to tell you where his comeliness was. Uh, it's in what he offers. Uh, you come to me and I'll give you rest. Uh, you come to me and lay your burdens down. Uh, I'll take your burdens uh, and I'll give you mine. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, don't tell me there's no beauty in him. I understand I'm not arguing with Isaiah. Please understand. I believe the word of God. I'm just saying Isaiah was only describing his physical features. On the outside, there's no beauty. But oh, how gorgeous. How wonderful, how glorious, how marvelous was that which dwelt on the inside. That's what I want to preach about for a little while here today. See, I've met the man. I know him. I've come to love him. I'm telling you, I know how beautiful he is. I know where I was. I know the sin that I was in. I know the condition of my soul when I met him. He didn't care. He didn't care about how filthy I was. He didn't care about what I was involved in. He wasn't looking at anything about me but he just looked in love and he said come come and I came and I'm here to preach to somebody today amen you gotta look beyond what you see with your eyes and look on the inside oh God Hallelujah. You know, many, many weeks ago, I was talking to the church and made mention. I said, one of these days, I'm going to teach a whole series on the tabernacle. And I hadn't forgot about it. Just hadn't felt it yet. There's so many things about the Old Testament tabernacle. Many commentators uh, refer to it as the church in the wilderness. There's so many things about that tabernacle that they erected when they were wandering for 40 years after they'd been set free from Egypt. Many things about it 
that typify Jesus Christ. But I want to just take you on a journey today. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are among, you are among those Gentiles who's just heard about these Jews. You've heard stories of how their God parted the Red Sea and they walked across on dry ground. But you've heard how they wandered through the wilderness. You've heard how they found miracle bread every morning when they got up. You've heard about some of the things God has done and from a distance you see during the day this large pillar of cloud that's standing and at night it becomes a pillar of fire and you decide, let's go and see the glory of these people. Let's go take a look and see what it is about them that's so beautiful. Can I tell you that as we walk and we get close enough to see that glorious tabernacle. Listen to what the Bible says about it. Exodus 36 and verse 19. And he made a covering for the tent of rams, skins dyed red, and a covering of badger skins above that. Now this was a tent. It was a big tent. And they had taken some ram skin. And they dyed it red. And then they took badger skin. You ever seen a badger? I don't know what kind of badger it was. You know, those honey badgers, they look like, I don't want to put too much levity in this message, but I got to be me. Those honey badgers look like a skunk that's got in the way of a steamroller. I mean, that's about the way they look to me. They're ugly. But God told them to take badger skins. And that's going to be the outer covering of this glorious tabernacle. Do you understand that as you walk through the wilderness and you come upon the camp and you get close enough to see this, this place, all you see is this ugly badger skin and then you look around and you see a big brass bowl and you see a brass box brasses I mean unless you really get out and polish it it's really not all that pretty you understand but it sure wasn't pretty the way they're using this because there's blood and guts and gore all of these things are being used for animal sacrifices and as you get close to this glorious encampment, you see these brass furnishings splattered with blood. And this big church that really is nothing more than an oversized tent covered with an ugly badger skin. That's what the Jews are excited about. That's what they feel so confident in. That ugly tent. That ugly eyesore of a place they call the tabernacle. 
But let me tell you something. The reason the Gentiles would walk away from there disappointed and laughing and mocking is because all they ever saw was what was on the outside. But if they could get the view, Brother Hilton, of a priest, when he walks through that first tent flap, you got to understand that what he's looking at now on the inside of this ugly tent, every every board that's been used to build a wall has been overlaid with pure gold. And every piece of furniture inside that building is pure gold. And when he walks in the tent flap, he sees these golden furnishings. And right in front of him is this gorgeous tapestry of a curtain that has angels embroidered. Beautiful colors of blue and gold and white. And and I'm telling you, it's a different picture on the inside of the tabernacle than it is on the outside. It doesn't look like a whole lot from the outside. But if you ever get on the inside, it's different altogether. Ah, hallelujah I'm telling you there could be no clearer picture of what Isaiah meant when he prophesied of the coming Messiah that when we see him there's no beauty that we should desire him oh but you gotta look beyond that badger skin you gotta look beyond that uncomely figure of a man and understand that on the inside You see, gold was a type of deity. And that's what was dwelling on the inside of this man, Christ Jesus. He may not have looked like much on the outside, but on the inside was the great God of heaven. The one who said, let there be, and there was. I'm telling you, he may not have been much on the outside, but he's got power on the inside to fix every problem that you face let me tell you we have people walk through the church doors and they look around at us and they see the way we look and they see the way we act and some of them walk out and say I feel sorry for those people yeah well If you feel sorry for us, it's because all you've seen is what's on the outside. (laughs) You got to get a glimpse of something deeper. You got to get a glimpse of something deeper than the outer covering. Amen. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 says this. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, drink, but but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm offering to you today. And I feel like somebody's here. Somebody's sick of the life you've been living. Somebody's miserable. Everything's falling apart. You feel like your world is crumbling. 
Lord, I'm telling you, you came to the right place today. We may not be the biggest church in town. We may not have the most beautiful facilities, but there's something on the inside of this building you're not going to find just anywhere. You're going to find righteousness here. You're going to find peace here. You're going to find the Holy Ghost here. Oh, let's worship the Lord. I want to tell you today, I want to tell you where you've come. You've come to the place where you can be set free from your addictions. Uh, we're not going to take you through a 12-step program. Here's the steps. Uh, amen. The steps are from where you're sitting to this old-fashioned altar. You walk down here. You repent of your sins. You ask God to forgive you. We'll baptize you in Jesus' name. You'll receive the Holy Ghost. Evidence by speaking in tongues. I'm going to tell you it may not look like a lot. But all the glory on the inside. Oh, friend, I want to tell you right now, I don't have to finish my sermon. Right now, you can be set free from what you came here to be set free from. The power of the Holy Ghost is in this house right now. If you want God to fill you, if you want to be delivered, if you want peace of mind, if you want your life put back together, now's the time to come. Now's the time. Let the Holy Ghost come. Come on, church, help me pray, help me pray. You're not here by accident. You're not listening by coincidence. I'm telling you, God directed you to this place because God sees. <laughs> Listen to this preacher. God saw the tears that stained your pillow last night. God knows the broken heart that you're feeling right now. And God sent you to a place where he can put it all back together for you. But he's not going to force you today. He's not going to throw you into the altar. I want to tell you, if you want help, why don't you come? Why don't you let us pray with you right now? 
there's a church full of people who have been right where you are. Most of us were not raised in the church. Most of us, amen, were not raised this way. Most of us have a history of sinfulness, of ungodliness, of, of, of all kinds of things that we're not proud of. But one day we made our way to an altar of repentance and God had mercy on us. You got people here that understand what you're feeling. They understand what you're going through and they just want to pray with you they just want to help you come on come on the altar's open right now right now I'm not I, I, I ain't gotten halfway through some of these verses uh, but God's reaching for you right now oh help me pray saints help me pray if you're listening online, if you're where you can, why don't you find a place and kneel down right now? If you're driving down the road, pull over by the side of the road, lift your hands and cry out to God. God wants to have mercy on you. Oh God. If you only knew, if you only knew the stories of the people that sit on these pews, if you only knew the chains they once wore, alcoholism, drug addiction, if you only knew immorality all kinds of problems but God loved them and he loves you God wants to save you today God wants to save you today oh, hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Come on, I'm not going to try to go any farther. I feel like God's drawing somebody right now. I got a whole lot more to say, but it's not nearly as important as what God's doing in the spirit right now. I invite you to come. I invite you to come. The Lord wants to set you free. He wants to heal your hurting heart. He wants to give you peace of mind. He wants to dry those tears. He wants to walk with you so you don't feel lonely anymore. Oh, let's pray, church. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. These altars are open. Anybody else want to come and pray today? 
Anybody else want to meet a man who may not have any comeliness on the outside? Oh, but on the inside, what beauty, what glory.